You're listening to From the Burgundy Chairs, a podcast for health system leaders created by Santis Health. Hi, everyone. My name is Peter Cleary, and I'm a principal here at Santis Health. Uh, today, as the government focuses on the development of a high-cost rare drug strategy, PMPRB reforms, a national formulary, the creation of a Canada drug agency, there's a biomanufacturing uh, strategy in there somewhere, too. All under the umbrella of pharmacare, we want to take some time and hear what patients believe should be the focus, the challenges patients face, and solutions the government should be considering. Before we get started, I want to introduce our guest. Uh, Durhan Wang Rieger is the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Canadian Organization for Rare Disorder. She began working with CORD as a volunteer in 2006 when she developed the Orphan Drug Policy and headed an advocacy campaign to improve access to new therapies for rare diseases. In 2012, Durhan became president of the organization. And through CORD, Canada has become uh, the first non-EU country to adopt Rare Disease Day in 2008. Uh, she also took an active role in helping set up the Asia-Pacific Alliance of Rare Disease Organizations. I believe you served as secretary of that alliance, Durhan, and more recently appointed as president of Asia-Pacific Alliance of Rare Disease Organizations. Durhan, I, I understand you have a PhD uh, and alongside your husband uh, have adopted two children, each born with different rare conditions. So I, I couldn't think of somebody better to have a discussion about rare drugs, especially as an election looms, or maybe when this podcast is published, uh, we might be in an election. So thank you for joining me today, Durhan. Thank you very much, Peter, for the opportunity. I think um, everything you're saying really does point to the importance of rare diseases right now and certainly the opportunity to you know, consider some of the challenges and opportunities is uh, really uh, timely for us. So let's, let's start out with um, uh, how the government has framed the discussion about high-cost rare drugs, I believe they call it. My, my bet, my gut, based on our own conversations we've, we've had with government, we know that the focus is on high-cost rare drugs because the, the sheer number of them coming in, into Canada versus other drugs. Uh, and the pressure point on um, provincial drug uh, budgets being a large growth item. Um, having said that, though, what impression does it leave you that that the approach is on high cost rare drugs from a patient perspective? And given how governments across Canada want to have patient oriented policies, um, do you think the strategy is focused on the needs of patients right now? So, Peter, this is really timely because the very good news, and we very seldom have this kind of a turnaround from government, is that um, they certainly announced in um, 2019 that they will be introducing a, um, a high-cost drugs for rare diseases strategy, a national program. They had already said you know, earlier in the previous year that they wanted to have a supplemental process for looking at expensive drugs for rare diseases was how they framed it. And really good news is that we have done a year-long consultation with our member groups starting in last September um, and all the way up through almost a year to really kind of engage with Canadians and with patients and other um, stakeholders around what this drug strategy really needs to be all about. And the government itself, Health Canada, did a consultation in February into March. They just released their What We Heard report. And guess what? They're no longer calling it high-cost rare disease drugs. They're just calling it a strategy for rare disease drugs. We pounded the message 
that it isn't just about cost. The challenges in terms of getting access to these therapies had a whole lot to do with many other factors. And the opportunities actually are not just for high cost therapies. They are very important in terms of whole spectrum of, um, of, of, of I think, uh, systems that parts of the system that need to be in place. So we are thrilled, you know, they actually seem to have heard the fact that we're not just talking about the fact that we need to hold the line in terms of budgets on these therapies, but we really need to consider what is the value of these therapies to not just the patients, but also to society. So we think we've actually made a huge, huge, huge breakthrough. Let's talk about the process first, and then let's bridge into um, the strategy. So the process so far obviously delayed because of COVID-19. There wasn't a lot of work for many obvious obvious reasons. Um, the spring, there was a there was a first consultation. It was relatively high level. It was broad based. Um, I I know I know myself and many others participated as as much as as we reasonably could, and I know you would have been instrumentally involved given the the flip of of how the governments framed the strategy. What do you think of the government's approach in this process? The questions they're asking and the table they're setting for the strategy. Do you think the what we heard report accurately represented what you said and what others said? Um, uh, Are they hitting the mark on the process to develop this strategy? Surprisingly, 90% of what they had in that report was exactly what we said. You know, sometimes you get a what we heard report that does not necessarily, you know, kind of match up with what you think you said. And basically, you know, number one, they recognize there's a lot of consensus among stakeholders in terms of what you know, needed to be in a strategy for rare disease drugs. So that was brilliant. Um, and we do believe that, you know, many of the elements that we're talking about are very much aligned with what we're hoping. What they don't have are some of the other things that we think are very important, and that is it isn't just about making drugs available to people. It's all about the rest of the infrastructure around it. So you can't just hand out drugs. You have to have good screening, testing, diagnosis. You've got to have centers of excellence and, you know, trained clinicians that are able to you know, appropriately defined, you know, which patients should begin to access. You need monitoring systems, including patient registries to really be able to track how well these drugs are working and be able to follow up on it. You need good value assessment systems so that we can say, are these drugs delivering in terms of not only value to the patients, but value to society, value back to the payers. All of those need to be part and parcel of what we're going to do in order to get the optimal benefit from a rare disease drug strategy. So no good just having drugs out there. We're actually proposing, you know, that uh, there needs to be, if, if Canada wants to see a return on the investment in terms of making drugs available, rare disease drugs available, then let's make sure that we put the rest of the infrastructure in place in order to actually deliver on that uh, investment. It's not a funding. It's not a fight. You know, it is, in fact, an investment. So as the as the process to develop this strategy continues, um, it's no secret that they're going to keep having uh, detailed conversations with you and, and many others starting to ask questions, more detailed questions around governance models, cost sharing approaches. You know, what are the principles in a strategy that should be prioritized as being the most important at this point in time? Do you think the go forward approach is the right approach? Do you think, like in your mind, what is the next step that the government should be taking to develop the strategy? We've had the what we heard. Where where should they go from here between now and having a strategy adopted uh, for national implementation? You know, we learned something following the election in 2019. 
they made the commitment to a billion dollars over two years to set up the rare disease drug strategy. And then we uh, kind of went into an election. The parliament shut down. You know, we're trying to say what we're going to do next. And then they said, OK, we got an election. Then after the election, they said, oh, we got to get a new health minister. And then after we get a new health minister, says, well, the health minister has to kind of meet with her provincial counterparts. And then they said, OK, we need to kind of get other stakeholders in line. And then we had COVID. And so what we realized is that we lost, you know, well over a year in that consultation period. So sometime in September of last year, we said, no more of this nonsense. We will host consultations. And we began to do almost biweekly webinars, consultations, bringing together stakeholders, bringing together international experts to really talk about what does a rare disease drug strategy need to look like? What should it look like? And we hosted these. Um, so we were not surprised when, you know, at the time when submissions need to be made after Health Canada's consultations, that a lot of those had, that have participated with us were very much in sync with what it is that they were going to be saying. And so that the, what the government heard was very, very strong consensus around what this strategy needed to look like. This is what we're going to do now. One thing we learned is that we're not going to be able to wait. Obviously, we may need to wait during an election, but we will immediately, you know, pick up on what do we need to do in order to roll out this strategy. Our, you know, um, our feedback to government was we need to jumpstart this strategy. We don't need to wait. In fact, we don't even have to wait for $500 million. We can actually get started now. Not that we don't want $500 million and not that we're saying it wouldn't do a whole lot of good, but good gosh, I'm not waiting till you dump $500 million into the system for us to get started because, you know, that, that isn't what's necessary. There's so many things that we can be doing, we can be doing right now. A lot of it is not only around infrastructure, a lot of it is also around what do we do with a big part of what they've heard and what they're committing to, and that is an investment in terms of stimulating research innovation in the rare disease space. I mean, all the things you said in the very beginning, you know, we've had, you know, this, you know, the announcement of a rare drug strategy, we've had a pharmaceutical, we've had pharmacare, we've had a, you know, drug agencies come out, we've had this whole thing around pharmacare list. What really points to is the fact that we've got all these isolated kind of initiatives taking place. What we do not have in this country is a pharmaceutical strategy, a policy. We do not have a framework that says, how do we make sure that Canada is going to actually be an innovator in terms of developing drugs? I mean, we lost that opportunity way back, you know, uh, when the Orphan Drug Act was um, implemented in the U.S. and then in Europe. 2012, we almost had it when we had an orphan drug framework that says, how is Canada going to actually be a leader in terms of not just providing drugs and making them available, but we're actually going to be contributing to the research and development of these drugs. We can't just be a net purchaser. We have to be a contributor. And we think, you know, this was also in the What We Heard report. We need to make sure that we're investing in this because we have so much, not just potential, we have actually on the ground expertise that's doing this. We just are not realizing the benefits of it right now because we don't have a wraparound strategy that says, okay, research going on in the academic settings, research going on in, in the rare disease, you know, clinical settings, research that's taking place in terms of pharma. How do we bring that together? How do we leverage that? How do we actually produce then products that are actually going to return on the investment for Canadians? So let's tease that out a bit because I think, you know, when we think about what the what the right strategy is, and this is where you will have a little bit to say because of the consultations you've been holding uh, with your own patient community and, and beyond, what should the, what are the, the three objectives, a rare strategy or a pharmaceutical strategy, what are the three objectives it should have? Like in your mind, what is success in the first 10 years of a 
Canadian national rare strategy? Well, that's a really tough question. Um, the first real indicator is that right patients are getting access as soon as possible to a therapy when it is you know, approved, right? So we've got therapies and clinical trials. We've got them as they're going through the regulatory process. What we have at the moment is this big gap between the time they actually go into clinical trials and become approved. Even the clinical trials, we're not getting Canadian access. If Canadians can get early timely access to the right drugs in a way that's going to allow us to actually be able to, you know, to intervene at the right time, that will be really important. So our mechanism right now, and what the what we heard report was exactly what we've been saying. We need to have, you know, coverage with evidence development. We need to have, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, we need to have reimbursement that's based on where's the evidence here, what evidence do we need to continue to collect, right? So there are outcomes-based, you know, agreements that will allow us to not wait until we've got full evidence that we're able to be provide information. So if we can start to do that, we have, if we have that program in place, that will be really important. Secondly, is that we've got the infrastructure that allow us to do the right kind of diagnosis that will get the right patient to the specialist so that they can actually prescribe appropriately and monitor these drugs. Do we have that part of the infrastructure that's in place? And also monitor, you know, again, if we want early access to these drugs while the evidence is still evolving, we better have a process, right, for capturing like COVID, right? And like the vaccines, you want early access, you want to be able to provide it, you know, under some emergency, you better have the systems in place so you can capture you know, what's happening in the real world, we analyze that and come back and say, okay, are we already not doing the right thing? Do we need to make an adjustment? That's kind of what we're talking about. And that makes it so that we've got timely access, but also safe access. And we've got all hopefully value return for the investment. The third thing, of course, is we do look for a commitment to investment in research and development. This country has got to be a player there. We've got so much capacity here that we really need to put Funding, I mean, Sarah Shaw has done some of that, Genome Canada, some of that, we see all of it. It isn't integrated. It isn't really leveraged to say, okay, how do we actually make sure that we're going to end up with innovations that can actually be brought to market? And it doesn't mean that every single product is going to have to come to a Canadian company and they're going to be out there kind of flogging it. But it does mean that we play the appropriate role to bring it to where it's supposed to be, that we're partnering appropriately. And that will require something that we do really poorly in Canada. And it is really good public-private collaboration. None of it can be done alone. And we've seen that with the vaccines again. You know, the big example was how did Moderna work? How did AstraZeneca and Oxford work? that public-private collaboration, we in Canada have got to get over the antipathy between the public sector and the private sector and really look at how we can collaborate and work together. Because on the ground we do, it's just at a policy level and at a public relations level, we kind of make it so that we become natural enemies. With the last couple of minutes that we have, Duran, I wanted to kind of chat about, and, and, you, and you framed it up already uh, nicely around the fact that we don't have a broad pharmaceutical strategy that's encompassing of all of the desperate little um, uh, policy activities that are happening in you know, Health Canada, in PMPRB, in CADF, in ISED. Uh, I know, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a, a, couple, um, a couple different agencies uh, or, or, parts of, or parts of the government there. But in this dynamic time, how do all of these different policy activities impact in your mind the success of a of a rare drugs plan? How does 
you know, the government putting out a, a policy on biomanufacturing, uh, you know, absent of any reference to rare drugs, how, do, how does that jive in your mind? How does uh, a ongoing, ongoing pricing reform that is, you know, arguably, uh, not arguably, that is, that is changing every, every month or two, how is that impacting uh, your ability to engage and discuss uh, with, with um, the government the success of a, of a rare drug strategy, uh, let, alone, let alone, you know, a, a looming conversation about a national formulary? How, yeah. how does all of this square up in your mind? It doesn't square up. This is our challenge, right? We go to one, you know, uh, ministry and we get certain answers. We go to one department and we get certain answers. And they seemingly aren't talking to each other. How does a very restrictive pricing, you know, regulatory body that is going to really drive away innovation and new therapies coming in square up with the fact that we're trying to encourage access to and timely access to new drugs for rare diseases? It doesn't square up. And I think this is what we need to have. We need to have that coherence. We need to have the federal leadership that says, yes, okay, I'm going to really willing to give you money, but we are also going to develop an innovative strategy. Look at what the UK just did. They came out with a very strong, you know, innovation research platform. We need to do that. I mean, we're watching the Olympics, you know, kind of look at it now and you flash back to, I don't know, a couple of decades ago when Canadians were kind of lagging in terms of getting any medals out of the Olympics. You know, I think our goal at that time was not to be in last place. And then we came out with the whole thing with the Calgary Olympics, right? Own the podium. How do we actually invest in, you know, in athletics? How do we actually make sure that we've got a development program? And how do we bring in the private sector to take their willingness to invest and leverage it into a powerful program, right? So I think we need something like an own the innovation platform. We have got to own innovation in this country, and you know, and be willing to take some of those same kinds of strategies. But it takes a National, coherent leadership. And I, I mean, I don't care which party it is, to be really honest with you. I think any party can help us do that so long as we're all focused on the one thing that we want. That is making sure that we have innovation and that we have access to innovation and that we have contributions to that innovation in Canada. Canada can be a leader. I think the rare disease space is the best place for Canadians to actually shine. Because we don't have to be gigantic in terms of the investments that we've got. We don't have to deal with all the major kind of conditions. But we can deal in a very niche and targeted way with these rare diseases. We can be as good as anybody and maybe better in many circumstances. So for me, it's like Canada step up. Let's own the innovation. Let's really make that our driving force here. Maybe for the, the last question, we can both have some fun speculating. Um, what, do you, what do you think if the liberals are reelected? versus a new conservative government um, under each scenario, you know, what would you want to keep from all the activities that are going on? Uh, and perhaps more to the point, what, what do you think could be different? Um, uh, you know, what do you expect out of a reelected liberal uh, government versus a, uh, a, a new conservative government? Uh, you know, what would you expect in those two scenarios? We have been very, pleased with the fact that the liberals have continued to reinforce their commitment of $500 million a year. It's nothing magic. It's a great number. We have had from the conservatives the commitment as well that they would be willing to put $500 million a year into rare diseases. We haven't quite figured out and they haven't been as clear in terms of what that might look like, but um, that's okay. I think the recognition that rare diseases is an important area that is currently, you know, under, you know, researched and underfunded, but also has tremendous potential is important. So we would like to see that, make sure 
but that is, you know, really, really, you know, protected. I think going forward, of course, we really want to see how we are going to be able to not only, I mean, what I would say importantly, a rare disease drug strategy isn't just for rare diseases. The principles around it, the, the mechanisms that we will put in place are actually going to be appropriate to all diseases. And remembering, you know, as we're going forward, we're looking at cancers as an easy example, but there are many other diseases, including, you know, diseases like Parkinson's, including many of the, you know, rheumatoid arthritis diseases, et cetera. They're going to become increasingly genomically defined, meaning that we're going to find very specific genetic mutations that are going to really be responsible for different aspects of or different versions of a, of a disease. And increasingly, we're going to have, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, truism that every disease is going to become a rare disease, which is not a bad thing, because it means then that we can actually target that specific, you know, genomic variation and be able to treat it very effectively. That is the goal that we've got. Or we're able to develop platforms like an mRNA platform that will treat a whole host of diseases that have similar kinds of mechanisms, right? So this is exciting. And this is where we need to be. So for me, it's again, look up, look far ahead, have a vision and really think about rare diseases, not so much as, okay, these small patient populations of, you know, people that are getting nothing, but as a way in which we can actually advance, you know, the health, the access for all diseases, because that's kind of where, where, where we all need to be. You know, one of the questions was, was, can we define what a rare disease is? And I say, that's a useless question. There's no such thing. There's no magic number There's, that's going to actually, what we're talking about is highly, highly targeted kinds of uh, treatments for very specific patient populations that may have really many, great many challenges in terms of diagnosis and getting in terms of understanding the natural history. All those things are going to apply. So let's not be worried about what that magic number is. There is no magic number. Let's make sure that we're working on behalf of all Canadians, and we do think the rare diseases is going to be able to provide that kind of a pathway forward. I don't think I could have um, thought of a better way to uh, to have a final thought. Durhant, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for talking us through this and, and for our listeners from uh, policy health nerds to those who just want to learn a little bit more. Um, uh, we all thank you for, for everything that you do and, uh, and for helping us understand this world a little bit more today. Thank you for finding time and space. Thanks for listening. You can find this episode and more on our website at santashealth.ca and on our Twitter at Santas Health. This has been from the Burgundy Chairs.